It's a great day in many ways, but just a few. It's a great day for one thing, that it's the Lord's Day. And I don't know if you noticed on the drive here this morning, you could see the snow-covered mountains and just see the beauty around, and they declare there is a God. And we gathered together this morning, and we declared there is a God, and we worship him. And we, we do so in, in thankfulness. We do so because it's a blessing. We do so in honor to him because he's done so much for us. He's been very, very good to us. He's granted us salvation. He's loved us even though we don't deserve it. And so we, we, it's, it's a wonderful time to be able to gather together in an assembly like this and just give him all glory and praise. As we begin this morning, you'll see a passage here written by, the, by Solomon, the great wise man. As it says here in Proverbs 13 and verse 15, Good understanding, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. And that's what I want to focus on this morning about that idea of how really it is hard when we choose not to obey. How really it is hard when we choose to do what we want to do as opposed to God's way. Because there are, there are some people in the world today, and maybe you know some of them, about, they claim it's, it's, well, it's pretty hard to live the life of a Christian. And they can look at the Bible and have an attitude that the Bible is just simply just too restrictive for them. And they could look at such verses as this in Matthew chapter 7, where, where Jesus says here, beginning of verse number 13, Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And a person could look at that and see what Jesus said and say, well, the, the odds are stacked against me if I try to follow the Lord. And, uh, and, and they might conclude, well, what's the point if you will be able to enter heaven? And not only can you find Jesus stating that it's going to take some work to get into heaven, but Paul also writes that those who live the life of a Christian, well, there's going to be some tough times as well. Your faith is going to be tested. You might be persecuted in one way or another. You're going to have troubles in life in one way or another. Because Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And he states that as a fact. It's going to happen as you live your life. And people might hear that and, and hear that Christians suffer for serving the Lord, and I don't want any part of that. After all, who wants to be persecuted in the first place? And what more reason to even avoid persecution? Well, not only may some not want to be a Christian because of the persecution that it could bring, but others might have the idea that it requires them to stay away from certain things. It, requ it could require them to stay away from 
works of the flesh that they might enjoy doing. And Galatians chapter 5 tells us that those who practice the, the works of the flesh, it simply says they will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so again, after seeing such a list from Paul there in Galatians chapter 5 for one thing, concerning how a Christian should not be involved in those things, someone could simply conclude it's just too hard to just cut those things off from life because without those things, how can we really enjoy it? How can we spend a good time with other people? How can we really enjoy life? Well, let me leave you with the, well, let me state this one passage that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, and he says this in verse number 30. He says, my yoke is easy. And he says, my burden is light. And Christ said this, and, and, and think about what he says here in light of what we've seen so far. How is the yoke of Jesus easy, and how is it light upon us if there are restrictions upon us and we're going to face some troubles or face some difficulties while living for the master. Well, hold on to that thought because we're going to answer that in our study this morning of how this statement by Jesus is true when we live for him. Now, in a different light, Christians might sometimes see the world enjoying the pleasures of sin and we might have the desire to participate. And I don't know why that's blank, but we'll just continue on. It will show up here in a moment. And when we look at other people out in the world and maybe have that temptation of, well, should I or shouldn't I participate in that? Now, I would lie to you and I would tell you, I would be lying to you if I told you that sin isn't fun because we all know it is. And Satan's going to try to lure us in any way possible. And one of the ways he does it is to make sin as fun, uh, fun and enjoyable. But when you take a look at the scriptures, especially the book of Proverbs, it tells us don't envy those people. Don't envy what they do. Don't envy the fun that they have. In fact, you look at various passages such as like Proverbs 23 verse 17. He says, do not let your heart envy sinners. But on the other side of the coin, he says, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. And then in Proverbs 24 and verse 1, it says, do not be envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them. And then Proverbs 24 and verse 19, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the wicked. And there are countless things that the, that the book of Proverbs tells us, no matter what they're doing, don't let that be something that you desire in regards to unholiness and ungodliness. Don't be fooled by the fun that they might be having or the enjoyment they, that, that they might be having. And as Solomon writes, if we envy that sinner who delights in the sin, well, we might begin to rationalize within our own minds that it just might be okay. It might be okay to do this, or it might be okay to do that. Well, in the course of our study this morning, 
I want to take a look at what Solomon wrote concerning the life of a sinner and again compare it to the life of a Christian when he says, again, good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard according to Proverbs 13 and verse 15. Because he simply states this fact that the sinner's life is actually more difficult while on earth while the man who walks in obedience to the Lord. And we're going to see exactly how that works out and how that is in our study this morning. Now, all of us believe that our obedience toward God is best for us in view of eternity. We're looking forward to that goal. We're looking forward to that reward of heaven. And what we do here on earth is going to get us there as we live faithfully for our Lord. And we all understand that. Yet, there might be some who believe that obedience is only best in view of eternity. And what I mean by that is that a person's service to the Lord is ultimately fulfilled in eternal promises while really hardly looking at really the full blessings, the blessings that we can uh, encounter while we still live upon this earth. And not just only in view of heaven and eternity. And if we look at it from a kind of a smaller picture like that, we really miss out the big picture of really the entire goodness of God and, and God's blessings while we live here upon this earth. There's something interesting and unique about the book of Proverbs. In fact, while Solomon, while he's writing these words of advice to his son, he gave advice in a direction which would result to rewards and consequences in life while we live upon this earth. And this, this is unique about the book of Proverbs because very rarely, if any, does Solomon write anything about eternal consequences. Very rarely, if any, does he talk about heaven or does he talk about hell throughout the book of Proverbs. He focuses on the life now. And he focuses on the joy that you can have in life right now or the heartache that could come because of, poor because of poor choices. And so it all depends on your individual choice while you're here upon this earth. And when you look to other passages, we know that not only are Solomon's words good for us while we live on this earth, but God's commands are given to us in order to uh, keep us from bad consequences because they're written for our own good. You look here, Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 24. It says, And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Why is that? Well, here's a result of, us, of it, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. It is for our own good so that we can be preserved by God. Not only that, Deuteronomy 10, verse 13, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and the statutes which I command to you today for your good. And so we see that. And just here, primarily in the book of Deuteronomy, but not only that, Solomon writes that a person who obeys the commands, well, they're going to keep themselves from evil. They're going to do themselves some good while doing that. In fact, it says here, Proverbs 16, verse 17, the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way, well, it says the end result, he's going to preserve his soul. Not only that, Proverbs 19, 16, 
He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul, but he who is careless of his ways, he says he's going to die. And that's an interesting phrase. One who is careless about his life, one who is careless about the decisions that they make in their life, it's foolishness. And eventually they're going to die in a spiritual sense. Not only that, but here's another interesting phrase by, the book, by Solomon, Proverbs 8, verse 36. But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. You're not just doing wrong against God. You're doing wrong against yourself. And you're not doing yourself any good. But he also says, all those who hate me, here's an interesting phrase, they love death. And who loves death? No one. But by the actions of poor decisions, we show that. We all know that sin not only has eternal consequences, but it as well has its earthly consequences because Solomon wrote that we can't sow to the flesh without reaping its harvest of sorrow and woe. In fact, he says this in chapter 11, verses 3 and 5. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful, he says, it will destroy them. Then skipping on down to verse number five, he says, the righteousness of the blameless will direct his way aright, but the wicked will fall by his own wickedness. And let me give you just a couple more passages here regarding this. Proverbs 13, 13, he who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. And then in chapter 15, verse 32, he who disdains instruction, who doesn't want to keep it, he said he despises his own soul, but he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. And so from these things, these are general statements by Solomon, but let me bring this down, kind of funnel it down to something specific here as we progressed in our study, because for one thing, the man who is cruel, for example, well, he brings trouble upon himself. It says in chapter 11, verse 17, but the merciful man does good for his own soul. But on the other hand, he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. I don't know if you've ever seen, you might have seen this verse in action, really in both ways. I used to work with the guy where, oh, he was, he was always coming to work or we, saying that he, he got in an argument with this person or he'd get into a fight with this person. And he would always tell the story that he was always the victim, always given that perspective. But not only that, but this guy, he was always stressed. And because of his stress and because of his situation, he was, he was on medication because of that. And the thing he didn't realize that the, way he, the, the reason why he was getting into these fights all the time wasn't because everyone else was bad, but the problem was him. He was the problem. He was the one who was cruel to other people. He was the one who was picking the fights. He was the one who created the stress in his life. He brought, he was cruel upon his own 
flesh, in other words. He was always carrying that chip on his shoulder, yet he blamed other people for his actions. And as on the other side of the coin, Solomon says, if you're merciful upon other people, if you treat other correctly, and you're not cruel to them, well, you're not going to have to complain about other people. People are going to return love and kindness back to you when you show that to them, generally speaking. There are some difficult people out there to deal with, but we still treat them with love and mercy and respect. But we do ourselves good when we treat other people with mercy. And we don't bring trouble upon our own, uh, upon our own selves and bring that into our life. When we talk about sin having its consequences, there might be some who might think that, well, it could be especially those who are younger, that things, you know, we, could, we can make some decisions in life and just, yeah, we might not have followed the advice of some, and we might be able to get away with it. Maybe it will never catch up with us, or we might, we might not suffer too much from some of the choices that we make. There's something that Solomon writes here in the book of Proverbs that, to me, when I first read it, it was very striking to me about this idea of what we choose to do and the, the consequences that may or may not lead, uh, uh, we might have to endure from that. And it says this in the very first chapter of the book of Proverbs. It says, beginning at verse number 25, it says, Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. Listen to what the Lord says here in verse number 26. He says, I also will laugh at your calamity. It's pretty harsh, isn't it? I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. He says, continue on in verse number 28, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Here's the reason why. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You see what bad decisions do? He says, they would have none of my counsel and despised my every rebuke. Therefore, here's the result. They shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled the full with their own fancies. So here you have a situation with the Lord speaking to someone who made a bad choice, who chose to sin, did not follow wise counsel. And we've all been there. We've all done that. And there are things that we do in our life that we regret. And there are things that we're sorry for. But there are some things that we do in our life that even though we're sorry about and even though we might go to God and ask him to forgive us of what we've done, he says in this passage, you might still have to live with the consequences of your bad choice while upon this earth. He says, there are things I will not take away. 
even though I still will forgive you. And that's one of the things about what one of the bad things of sin is. You know, you can still be grounded by your parents for not obeying them, even though you're sorry for what you've done. You're still going to have to endure that. It could be having to serve jail time for disobeying the law of the land, even though you're sorry for what you've done. It could be having a ruined reputation from treating others wrong, even though you're sorry for treating them the way that you have. It could be also having a difficult time earning the trust of others after lying to them. That takes a long time. Sometimes a a restoration like that never happens, even though you're sorry you've done that. And you could go, the list could go on and on about what we still have to endure, even though we're sorry for what we've done. And that's one of the harsh realities of our bad decisions. But even after stating some examples of some of our consequences that we face in life in making poor, poor choices or sinning, Solomon also mentions something else about what poor choices or sinning can do to us. In fact, for one thing, it says this interesting phrase in Proverbs 10, verse 27. He says, the fear of the Lord prolongs days, but the years of the wicked, he says, they will be shortened. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? That's an interesting concept. How is that possible? Those of us who who, who live righteously, does that mean we're going to go on to live longer than those who continue to, to sin, who continue to make poor choices? Well, it could be yes. But the principle here is that living the life of a Christian is going to keep you away from things that shorten your life. It's going to keep you away from making bad choices that might result in maybe degrading your quality of life or bring you into harm's way. It could keep you from deadly situations. You see, when you take to heart the advice given through the book of Proverbs, it, keeps, it helps us to stay safe and it helps us to stay healthy in our life. It keeps us from wreaking havoc to our lives and the lives of others. And this is how the Christian enjoys a prolonged life. But another thing we find as a consequence of sin is that, well, it could create addiction. Proverbs 5, verse 22 says, his own iniquities, it says, it entraps the wicked man. And he is caught in the cords of his sin. And we don't want to be there. And addiction could come in various ways and forms. And whatever that is, that we become a slave to it through our bad habits, we are prone to become addicted to it. And bad habits and addictions can be very difficult to break, can't they? And we could all agree on that. That's why we try to make wise, wise choices in what we have fun with or what we put into our bodies because we never know if that buzz, we never know if that high will become something that we crave. It's best just to stay away knowing that there's that potential of us being entrapped in it and becoming a slave to it. 
And as we continue to talk about the consequences of our poor choices and sin while on earth, I want to take a moment and I want to look at the prodigal son here for just a moment. And this is a parable taught by Jesus, so I'm not going to read. I'm just going to summarize. But if you want to read along while I summarize, it's in Luke chapter 15, beginning of verse number 11. And we all know this parable taught by Jesus. It's, a, it's one of the beloved ones that we, we love to read because it, it, we love seeing the end result of, of God's love and grace at the end. But I want to focus upon this son who decides to leave for a moment. He wanted this, son, this, this, uh, this boy, this young man, in my mind, wanted to experience the world. And perhaps, perhaps he had talked to some of his friends about how great it was to live on their own and have, have complete freedom over their lives. No curfew. No one to tell you what to do. No one to give you chores. No responsibilities at home. I don't know, but maybe he let those ideas stir in his mind until one day he asked his father, give me my money that is due me so that he could experience what was out there. And I don't know, Jesus doesn't say this, I just speculate. Again, this is just a parable. Maybe the father just tried to reason with them and warn them that what was out there wasn't worth it, son. It's not worth you spending your money on. It's not worth your time and a part of your life investing in. On the other hand, maybe his father just let him have the money without reasoning with him, knowing that his son had already made up his mind and there was nothing that the father was going to say that was going to change his mind. There are some fathers out there that just would just hand over the money knowing full well the son would be back because he knew what was out there and how long it would last. Well, after some days, the son left and Jesus tells us that he wasted his money on things that were simply just pointless and he really didn't get very far with it. And it came to a point where now he was out of money. And there was a great famine in that land too. So he, he, and really, when it came to an end of all that he had, as kind of a principle for us, that even when, when Solomon teaches this one very thing about what we have, we are to be wise with, because he wasted what he had. In fact, you look here what it says, Proverbs 21, 17, he who loves pleasure, he says he's going to be a poor man. And that's exactly what we find in this parable, don't we? He says, he who loves wine and oil will not be rich. It's because he wasted his money on those things. His poor choices had led him to poverty. And so he, found, he, he tried to find a job just to make ends meet and found himself feeding pigs. And I don't know how long it took. Jesus doesn't tell us. Maybe it took a day. Maybe it took a week. Maybe it took longer than that. Jesus really doesn't tell us. But as he was feeding the pigs one day, this slop, he began to desire that, to desire that, and he thought, man, I'm so hungry. And as he's thinking about this, we know that he's hit rock bottom. And he knows it too. 
Because we know as he's going through this and he's hit rock bottom, he reflects the back of how he had it at home. And he says, here I am in this situation. And my father's servants have it much better than I do right now. He came to that realization. And here's a hard truth that we see sometimes in a person's life. That when it's us or maybe others who make poor choices or we become enslaved to sin, maybe we're looking to other people who've, who've made really bad decisions that we try to encourage someone to try to turn things around or we might try to give them like, like a heart-to-heart, -heart, maybe have some type of interve intervention with them. But sometimes people choose not to listen to the wise counsel of others and sometimes the only thing that's going to cause them to turn their life around is for them to hit rock bottom. And that's hard to see. Especially our loved ones. To hit rock bottom. Because of the careless life that they lived. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yet for this young man to hit rock bottom, it caused him to change his way of thinking. And so he left that world of poor choices behind him and he started home. And we know that as he was approaching his father's house, his father saw him from a distance there. And he ran out to him, he embraced him, he showed him his great love and he was so glad to see him. But as his son, he was like, dad, dad, trying to stop him. And he had rehearsed the speech and he was going to tell him, but his dad wouldn't hear it. His dad wouldn't hear it because his son was home. And they had a celebration because of that. He was going to tell him, Dad, I've made bad choices. I'm not even worthy to be even called your son. Just make me, just make me a servant and I'll be good. But his father embraced him as his son and they celebrated the return of his son. And you look at a parable like that, that Jesus taught. And let me ask you this regarding what he went through. Do you think this young man learned that the way of transgressors is hard? I think we could all agree in yes. In fact, he learned the hard way that the way of transgressors is hard. And I want to tell you, I'm telling myself this too. We don't have to learn the hard way. We don't. We can listen to the advice of our peers. We can listen to the advice of our parents. You can read the wise counsel of Solomon here in the book of Proverbs. And you can read the examples of people in Scripture who have made poor choices. And we can learn from their mistakes. And we can see that the way of the transgressors is hard without having to experience its heartaches and, and the stress and the difficulty and the sin that we might have to face. We can avoid all that by listening to wise counsel. I want to talk just for a few minutes as we begin to wrap things up this morning about the advantage of making right choices and how it keeps us from 
making it harder than what it really always, uh, re what it really is. In fact, I'm not going to read this, but I'm just going to summarize what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. I encourage you to turn there and read along with, uh, read along as I'm describing these things in the first 10 verses as we talk about these great advantages when we do make right decisions in our life. Paul, he lists some great promises and Paul lists some great benefits that we have in God through Jesus Christ. And how we get this, we get this through our obedience to him. We get this through holy lives and righteous living. And he mentions, for example, that we have peace. We have peace in our life that comes from an, from an obedience to him. And this is the peace that we can't find when we continue to make bad decisions in our life. We can't find peace in those things. But we do find peace in God when we live right. He also says that we have access to God's grace when we do what is right. He says that we have a true joy from God that nothing in this world could ever bring to us. And sometimes, yeah, we might find joy that I've stated already in some of the some of the bad decisions that we make, yes, there is fun in that, but there's not an everlasting joy that comes from any of that. But an everlasting joy in God from doing right. And he says, if hard times come our way, Paul says we're able to glory in those trials. And from those trials, we're able to develop patience. And we also gain experience when we endure through those trials and through that patience. And as we do this and live faithfully, God gives us a promise and he gives us a hope. And Paul also says, we have a love that God bestows upon his children. And these are just a few things just from this one passage of when we choose to do what is right. And God is so good that he's willing to give us these things in our life to help us along and to just give us, give us the boost in our life and to even at the end give us that promise of heaven when we are faithful in the end. And so as we summarize our study, as we conclude, again, going back to Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding it says, gains favor. But again, the way of the unfaithful is hard. And then Proverbs 22 and verse 5. Thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. But he who guards his soul will be far from them. And don't you want to be far from them? Don't you want your life to be the, easy, the easiest that it can be? We know how to do that. Now, I want to tell you something. We should be thankful that the way of the transgressor is hard. We really should. Because when we realize that the way of the transgressor is hard and when we suffer the consequences of sin, we realize that we had it better when we were living right. We realize that. And we realize how good God is to us. And so how easier it is to live in the obedience to God's word rather than disobedience. And so let these words just be words of reminders to you as we mainly focused really upon what the wise man Solomon wrote as advice to his son. 
and really advice to all of us. And take advantage of God's goodness, really. Because God, he wants, to, he wants to bestow us with so many blessings. Let's let him do it through living for him and praising him and glorifying him in all that we do. And I leave these words with you this morning. And we don't want to close our thoughts without offering the Lord's invitation to you this morning. It's not the invitation from the congregation. It's the Lord's invitation to you. To you, maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. The best decision that you will ever make in your life is to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the best decision you will ever make. Understand that Jesus came to this world and he died for you because he loved you and he bore your sins upon the cross. And he died, he was buried, but yet he was resurrected on the third day. And because of that, you can have salvation in his name. You must believe that and then act upon that faith that you're going to change your life. Repent. Change your life for the better. Change your life that you're going to take God's will and replace it with yours. And then confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We find that in Acts chapter 8. And then we see in Acts chapter 2 that those people were, were baptized for the remission of their sins and they were added to the church. The Lord added them to the church because of their obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you could do that today. The Lord wants you to do that today if you haven't done it. That would be the best thing you will ever do in your life is to come to him. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 730 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.